Welcome to the Odyssey Podcasts. This is Jean Cavellos, Director of the Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust. Odyssey is a nonprofit with the mission of helping writers of fantasy, science fiction, and horror improve their work. To fulfill our mission, we offer a six week workshop each summer in New Hampshire, online writing courses and webinars each winter a critique service and consultations year-round, and many free resources, including these podcasts. Please consider making a donation to Odyssey so more writers can build their skills and realize their dreams. We can only continue each year with the support of donors like you. For more information on Odyssey, visit odysseyworkshop.org. Podcast 90 is an excerpt from a lecture by Kiz Johnson at Odyssey 2015 on description. The text of this recording is copyright 2015 by Kiz Johnson. The sound recording is copyright 2016 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust. I said we were going to talk about description today, but no matter what... Your writing, basically, the techniques are always the same. It is always details. Fiction is this long, skinny string, and the only way that you can keep your reader moving along the string is for them to want to know what's happening next and to want to be in the string right now. Because the wanting to know what happens next, all they'd have to do is flip to the back page, find out how you resolve things. So it's the process. Your job is to keep them on the string, reading knot by knot by knot by knot. Every moment of that string, there needs to be something that keeps them compelled. You're not always going to have that be plot, because then you end up with these breathless, rushed stories. It's not always going to be revelations. What it's going to be is details, descriptive details. Another way to think of this is that when you are writing fiction, you are essentially inducing a trance state in your reader. Whatever we are doing with our reading, when we are writing fiction, what we are trying to do is we are building a sequential experience, immersive experience, trance experience in the reader's mind, that what we want to do is we are essentially walking them through it. She is going to follow where I tell her to go. She is going to see and hear what I want her to see and hear. She is going to make decisions based on what I focus her eye on about what's important. As writers, we, have, we are controlling that string but we have to leave gaps because we cannot actually describe every single thing. But we also must make, and this is why when I was talking about thickening yesterday, I said to thicken the story. What you end up needing to do is even though everything is happening in one thin stream, you need to find ways to thicken the sense of that string. We engage with sight easily, usually, <laughs> and we engage with dialogue, which is a kind of sound, and we engage in foreground sound which is noises that are changing the story, like telephone bells, um, thunder, something like that. So we're engaging with foreground sound, dialogue, sound, and then sight. And then sometimes, usually we are engaging mostly with foreground sight as well. Maybe we're putting in background. If you have a character walking through a new environment who is hyper-aware of what's going on, any character in an unfamiliar environment is going to be noticing more things than a character in a familiar environment. What a character in a familiar environment notices are the things that have changed or the things that are relevant to her current state. So when you look at this room in week five of Odyssey, what do you guys see? 
Changing posters. Posters change. The the tape on the floor is not what it used to be. Tape is up. <laughs> the tape is eroding. Um, other things. I always notice that I don't see the cross anymore. Uh, I, I do see. It. I don't yeah. see it. Yeah, and and actually both of those are are interesting because when you have a character walk into an environment she's intimately familiar with, there are a lot of things she doesn't notice. But I know from personal experience that if I was in this room for every day for six weeks, I would be freaking hating this wall color. And every day I would come in and it would grate on me just a little bit, and then I would let it go. So. Your character in a familiar environment, you have to find ways when you are starting your story to get the information across that the reader needs to know that the character is not necessarily going to notice because she's been in this situation a million times. So how do you come up with an excuse to describe that cubicle? Do you describe that cubicle? You kind of need to because your reader has never been there before. And the way that you would do that then is you have her either, in a case like that, we do assess our spaces when we're bored. I mean, I don't know if, you do the, if you've ever sat at your kitchen table and you're a little bored like that ever happens, but let's suppose it did. <laughs> and you look around and you go, you know, I have been thinking about painting those kitchen walls. Yeah, there is. Yeah, that's right. There is that flake over there, and it's like right by the window. It's looking dingy because I use, I flipped the window open a lot. So yeah, so there would be a way that you could do it, but that's not an exciting or compelling way. So one good way to have that happen is that you, as things change, that's what people notice. If you had somebody here week one and he walked in on week six and he looked around this space, he would say. The room was more cluttered feeling. The room had the had the air of, you know, the room had the slight smell of tired, you know, or whatever. The the room had um, had developed the indefinable aura of chaos that spaces inhabited over long periods have. Um, there was, you know, something. Um, so back to how we describe that room. Through what changes? Through if you're trying to describe a character, you show us that she's tired, not by saying she's tired, but you show us by saying um, her, her blonde hair was a greasy tangle, which now we know three things. Now we know she's tired, or now we know she's not taking care of herself, we know she's blonde, and we have a visual that we can now hang on to. That's all you need to do, and now I have some information about her. Now her body language, as she does things like, does she play with the greasy hair or what else is going on for her? That's how you start to describe a character in a way that is highly specific. So what you are looking for are not to ever sit down and say the room was four by six feet, nine feet tall. And you all know that. You know better than to give us the big expository lump when it's a physical setting. Um, you don't always know that when it's a physical description of a person. The time that you do get to do that is when somebody's walking into an unfamiliar environment, meeting an unfamiliar person. But then whatever it is that they notice should be specific to who they are. If you walk into this room and you are the parent of a hyperactive toddler, what do you guys notice when you walk in here? Oh, it's so cool. Well, yeah, it's hyperactive toddler? Like the electric clothes everyone. Yeah. Yes, yes. So, so you come into the situation and you are going to notice different things. If you're coming into this and you're an assassin, what do you notice? No hiding. Points of egress, what can you hide under, what, or what can other people hide under? Uh, what else do you notice? There's lots of doors. Yep. A lot of doors, a lot of light, a lot of people um, who may or may not be interfering with what you are trying to do. If you are writing a story where you have a character walk in, that's how you show me the room. 
the mother who walks in, even if her child is not here, is going to walk in. And, and now you can show me sort of the clutter. Now you can show me it was a large space with the 80,000 things a toddler could do. None of them good. And now you can maybe describe the room through a couple of the things that could be done. Um, if you were the assassin walking in, if this were like an Andrew Back story, you'd have different things. But your assassin walking in, you now describe the room by saying the room had way too many people and way too many ways in and out. It was an unsupportable situation. And now you would show me why it was an unsupportable situation. So that that's what I kind of wanted to say about entering into spaces. Does that sort of make sense for how you start to convey descriptive detail? Okay. Your descriptions will be more useful if they are moving through a character's interac interaction with her environment. So whenever possible, I try never to describe something. I try to have it described through event through moving through things. You describe things as they become important to the character. You know, the moment that you actually linger on something, the, the reasons for description are that they build this immersive world into which the reader can fall. The immersive world is built by pulling certain, certain objects or certain sensory details that allow the reader to fill in the rest of the background. You focus on an object when it becomes important to the character or to the reader and you do it in ways that reflect its importance to the character, especially. Description should embed your reader in the story, always. It should always be details. Saying the watch is never going to be as productive as saying the Rolex, and that will never be as productive as saying the Rolex with the bent hand, provided your character has the time to notice that. Because now we know a lot, what does it take to bend the hand of a Rolex? Who is the person who has a Rolex? And who is the person who has a Rolex with a bent hand? And is it even a real Rolex? Now you don't have to go into a lot of details about that person beyond that. And you do that by not by having stopping the story to mention it. You have it by somebody looking at a watch, and it's a Rolex with a bent hand. Does that make sense? The text of this recording is copyright 2015 by Kij Johnson. The sound recording is copyright 2016 by Odyssey Writing Workshops Charitable Trust.